Do you ever feel like there's an imbalance in your relationship? Like you're not able or allowed to show up in the way you want to? In today's episode, I will deconstruct how the Mr. or Mrs. Perfect role can gaslight you into settling for less than you deserve. I'm Sarah Morales, the host of this podcast. At the time of this recording, I'm about to launch a new format for my workshop that is going to make it so much more accessible. Really excited about this. Check it out at my website, sarahmoralescoaching.com. My guest today is Renee. Renee is a creative person in many different fields. She loves to bike, go for long walks around the city or nature trails, cook gourmet meals, and exploring abandoned buildings. Thank you for being on my podcast, Renee. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So I'm going to put you on the spot. I worked in fine dining for many, many years, uh-huh. and um, and I, I would love to like put my filet mignon up against like a challenger. <laughs> like, <laughs> how was your filet? How would you say your filet is? It's pretty good. I, I yeah? have to say, though, I, I sort of cheat and use this little thermometer that like oh, sticks into okay. into it. So and then it like okay. sends a little notification to my phone. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's, I, I, it's I, I can geek out about food. So I love that. I, I was so curious, like what was one of your favorite meals to cook as a gourmet meal? I really like making short rib tacos. Ooh, that like... sounds delicious. Yes, please. <laughs> I'll be right over. <laughs> Come on. Right. Come on over. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> All right, listeners, our word of the day today is mutuality, which I think we kind of just showed a little bit of. Mutuality is defined as having the same relationship to each other directed and received by each toward the other or reciprocal. So when it comes to gaslighting, it's more about the lack of mutuality is what we look for. And almost always how is combined with the gaslighter being the victim or you being the one at fault for any lack of said mutuality. Renee's story is a great example of how this presents itself in an intimate partnership. Now, Renee, you submitted this great story. And from it, I felt like I could see uh, some similarities to so many people that I come across and that you are currently, like right now, still in the middle of trying to figure out what had been going on in your relationship. As, do you think that sounds accurate? Definitely. I'm, Definitely. Yes. yes. And I love that actually, because, because I'm really, I've had quite a few people on the podcast who were talking about relationships and hindsight and all this stuff that they learned. I really want to help people in the moment. They're like, I don't know what the fuck has been going on in my relationship. Help me. <laughs> like, um, so I'm really excited that you're here, like in the middle of the messy, right? Like that's such a great vulnerable way to show up. And I'm really thankful um, that you're willing to do that. Can you tell us a little bit about the gaslighter in this story as far as who it was um, per your role, not names or anything. I know we're trying to stay away from that today. Um, and how long y'all have been together. And then if you could explain for my listeners, because I think it's really confusing and shows how the kind of the mind fuck that happens in your relationship often, mm-hmm. how you would describe where you're all at right now. Yeah. So my gaslighter um, is my ex-fiance. Uh, we've known each other for about 10 years. Um, we sort of in the past seven years have been sort of on and off mm-hmm. um, until about two and a half years ago when he finally committed to dating me exclusively. Mm-hmm. Exclusively. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and currently we are, we have broken up, um, but we're, he broke up with me saying that in two months he would like to chat with me and sort of like talking about wanting to break childhood patterns. And I am like, can't we do that in relationship? Right. We talk through it. Mm-hmm. Like, this makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of like half breakup, half separation, half like confusion. Yeah. I mean, it sounds really confusing, like hard to even articulate, right? Like, um, and I got that from your story, right? That things were confusing from the start, meaning 
Um, I could see him doing what I would probably label as double speak, which is like saying one thing and then saying another thing or saying one thing one day and then saying something else another day. Any kind of variety of of those kinds of things, contradictory message, messages a lot. Um, and I mean, you, you just kind of named it right there where you're like, well, we dated for a long time. Um, but it wasn't until just two and a half years ago that he finally committed to being exclusive in the relationship. And, um, that really came from you even pushing him. Right. And then even once he committed, he kind of, you know, walked back from that a little bit. You want to explain that? Like just the confusion to my listeners. So they know just like how pervasive the confusion was. Um, yeah. I would say we were so about six months into us dating, he proposed. Okay. Um, and then he said, when I pushed him more about that, because we weren't telling anyone mm-hmm. that we were engaged. Um, and then he started saying, well, we're, s- s- this is an engagement where we're like, seeing if we want to get married. And I was like, uh, isn't that what dating is? Right. So that was pretty confusing. Yeah. And and then COVID hit and I moved in. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like I lost my job. He, and then slowly got a couple of days back. Um, And then he sort of, his business did really well. um, And he kept saying, don't worry about like finances or anything. Like, I just want you to like be happy Mm -hmm. um, and figure out exactly what you want to do. And I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. Sounds Um, nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) On Um, the surface, (laughs) right? On the surface. Uh Uh-huh. and then, and then slowly during COVID, he just started getting more and more distant, mm-hmm. saying things that like, he thought he needed to save me. He thought I was super unhappy, mm-hmm. which none of that to me was really true because mm-hmm. I didn't want him to save me. I just wanted him to be like a partner. To yeah. Give me a hug. I was having a hard day. Um or to like, and like, sure, I was frustrated because COVID is sort of frustrating. Yeah. I mean, especially for creative types. Yeah. Right. People in the arts, um, I know theater, musical theater, like all Broadway, I mean, any and all of those types of careers and jobs were really hit some of the hardest. They really were. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if I can, I'd love to back up for a second. So y'all were engaged. Um, and I mean, I've lived in places where people actually throw whole ass parties just for engagement, right? Like let alone like the wedding and all of that kind of stuff. But in y'all's situation, you weren't telling anybody did, was that, was that a mutual, you know, decision or was that something he imposed on you that we're not really telling anybody that we're engaged? When it happened, like we were sort of our closest friends that we would have told. Um, One of them was in a rough spot and we just like one of her other friends had just gotten engaged and she Mm -hmm. was single and we just felt like we didn't want to like make her feel even worse about being single. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some of our other friends weren't really happy about us dating. So we sort of like at that point we were just nervous about it. Okay. Then. Yeah. And were those your friends that weren't happy about you dating him or were those his friends? Was it a little bit of both? I'm curious. Both of them were mutual friends of ours. Mutual. So they knew both of us. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's interesting. That was, that wasn't in the notes, y'all. That was (laughs) new information. I'm just curious. Um, my curiosity gets going in some of these stories. So, um, 
y'all you're dating on and off. I'm trying to like summarize to show things here, dating on and off. And then you kind of had to push him in order to be exclusive. Um, Mm -hmm. And then COVID hit shortly after y'all became exclusive three months. Oh no, sorry. Then he proposed six months in and then three months after that COVID hit and you moved in with him and things began to kind of shift is what it sounds like, right? Like, you know, on one side, here's this confusing double speak. On one side, he's saying, oh, you know, like I've got a great job and a great career and I'm successful so I can support you and I just want you to be happy. And then on the other side of things, you know, he was saying, oh, I need to save you. Like you're unhappy and all of these things. So it's really confusing, right? It's like this double message where it's like, "Well, well, which is it? Are you supporting me, you know, so that I can try to do my thing? right? Because I'm not against that. My partner has actually done that for me a number of times um, that we've been together. Um, And it has helped me uh, soar in my career, right? Um, So I'm not against that. That's a beautiful thing that partners can offer to each other. And one of the things that we've talked about over and over in our relationship is how, um, you know, we we, um, assume we're going to be together for a long time and we believe that there will be, we'll take turns, like we we have this phrase where we take turns taking care of each other, right? So they might have a a season where they're taking care of me a little bit more and then, you know, it's going to flip flop and then I'll be taking care of them and they can go live their best life and, you know, have fun and support, you know, that's mutuality, right? But when you're told, I'm going to do all of these things for you. And you told me in their notes that you actually wanted to contribute, Right. Like you're like, even if I just get a waitressing job or something like I want to contribute. Right. Um, But he kind of shut that down. Right. Yeah. He kind of he was like, focus on getting the job you want. That's going to challenge you and and push you and make you happy. And and so I just kept applying for jobs I was interested in Mm -hmm. because I definitely I got a little uncomfortable about the discrepancy for sure. Yeah. Because also he's had some past relationships and that haven't have sort of taken advantage of him. Yeah. So I really wanted to make sure I was not doing that. Yeah. Um, I didn't get that. So, yeah. So you wanted to help contribute, but anytime mm-hmm. you would suggest that he'd be like, no, 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 don't settle. Wait until you have this job. Um, did you feel a little bit undermined at all by that? Like confused and undermined, like (sighs) shut down from being able to contribute in a way that felt good to you, even if it wasn't your kind of quote unquote dream job? Um, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Okay. At least, at least, at least financially contributing so it didn't so at least i felt not guilty in my own self for sure yeah yeah Yeah. and then again i think because of this confusing thing on the other side right like again it's it's almost like there were strings attached like i'm going to help you but along with that help um i get to take on like the kind of the role of the savior, if you will, right? Like I'm going to be the one who, who fixes you. Oh, but also you're, in, you're responsible for your own happiness. So it's like, well, which is <laughs> like, I can't, I feel like it's like a slippery fish. You know what I mean? It's like, you can't hold on to, it's like, yeah. what do you, which one, like, am I supposed to do this? Um, are you helping me or, you know, am I charging my own, like all these contradictory messages? Yeah, it was still is super confusing. Yeah. Um, and trying to just yeah, it's a little bit of a mind fuck if sure. I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. I cuss. Yeah, I love it. Um, okay. So here you have this confusing kind of relationship where um, you know, that have this dynamic of different things being said. Um, I'm going to support you, but I'm going to save you. And you're in charge of your own happiness, right? Like all of this stuff is happening. And, you know, I know people often wonder, in fact, I've, I heard somebody, I think in one of my workshops recently, 
who um, said that they were talking to somebody and they're like, well, why did you even stay? Like, how could you not see? And like all of these different things. And I know in your notes that you sent me, you told me that the two of you can have connected really deeply. You called it a soul level, right? So there's this intensity that we might have when we connect with somebody. Um, you know, the conversations, talking about the mind, how the mind works. I know I can geek out and, you know, really connect deeply talking about psychological things and MBTI and like, there are all these different things that, you know, you can connect with people in and that you are really attracted to each other. And at the same time, that's what draws us in. And at the same time, there were a number of issues in the relationship, at least as far as I saw, right? So things that I probably would label as red flags, right? So I noticed that in several of your stories, he didn't treat you as a partner, right? There was definitely either a control issue or a power dynamic or kind of one-upmanship almost, almost like he was treating you either as a child, but not really a child. There was also some like, you know, situations where, well, where you might be called a different role than a partner, right? Um, will you share those with my listeners that they can hear what I'm talking about, what it, what it feels like, what it sounds like and looks like to not be treated as a partner? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess one of them is anytime he would make a plan that included me or was going to include me as in inviting friends over for dinner or whatnot, he would never fit well. I had talked to him a lot about this, but most of the time he would not ask me or plan with me on lots of different things. Mm -hmm. And then I was expected to cook. Yeah. Um, or, and even when I would say, that's fine, but I'm plan I don't want to cook. Then he mm -hmm. would the day I would be like, so what are we having for dinner? And I was like, uh, yeah. So that's sort of one example. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, well, I know you talked to me around some, some issues um, with his kids. Yeah. Um, so he has a teenage daughter and a little one that's, I think, three or four. Mm -hmm. um, and... If I ever saw something, particularly with the teenage daughter, because she was with us for like half the time, mm -hmm. um, and like I would speak up and like say, hey, like this seems worrisome or this even makes me uncomfortable in being a part of this household mm -hmm. and seeing it happen. And I feel like I'm sort of, what's the word? Um, being an enabler if mm. I'm in the household mm. and not saying it. Um, and he would say, like, you're not responsible for my daughter, like, which is partially true, but like, I have no say in how she should be talked to or yeah. whatever in the house. Yeah. Which just, and he would be very, very doting on her even more so than he would dote on me. Mm. So it just like that's one of the really feeling like it wasn't a partner. Yeah. Almost more like I was the maid or the, or the cook. Yeah. I mean, like it, it sounds like an au pair kind of situation, right? Like, you know, the cooking and the, you know, taking care of the kid and all the different things. And, um, you know, it, it it sounds definitely like an unequal ability to speak into the things that were a part of your life, right? Um, and I know it gets confusing, right? Like, um, you know, I have my own kids from my first marriage, right? I know lots of step parents struggle with this bring being brought in to a family that maybe you weren't there from the beginning of, right? And I just think that there's this difference though, right? Like, again, talking about my own partner, like we've had 
just many discussions about how, you know, it's hard because I've raised my kids and my kids are older. My kids are now almost 21 and almost, well, 21 and almost 18. And we've been together for three years, right? So we've had a number of conversations where it's like, okay, well, we've been our own little family unit. We have our inside jokes about like SpongeBob and different things. And there's a potential for feeling on the outside, right? It's my job as the partner to bring that person in so that they feel included, right? Does that mean that they're going to have the same exact level of speaking into my kids' lives? Well, no, not necessarily. But every time they've had a concern, I've tried to at least listen to it and be like, okay, like, let me think about that. And let me consider how we could do that in a way that feels good to you, right? That also is in alignment with my parenting style that I've been doing like on my own for seven years, like whatever it is, right? Like, that's what mutuality is, right? Like when you're told, oh, you don't know this kid, like you, you have no right. You're not their bio mom or all these different things that are said, you know, that's a shutting down of what should be a partnering. Because if you're there, when the kid is there, you're a partner. Right. Right. So of course that felt really unbalanced and I make up feeling really um, unappreciated, maybe taken advantage of, and just what I almost imagine without a voice. It definitely, as much as I would speak up and like, you know, I do my own therapy work uh-huh. um, and my therapist has been working with me on using my voice yeah, good. Um, a lot. And it was like, no matter how much I use my voice, I was always like, either denied Mm -hmm. or he would just go silent. Yeah. 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 That's, that's really hard. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a few more ways. Cause I actually saw a few more, um, examples that you gave in, in your notes to me about how, um, what was missing from the relationship. Like sometimes red flags are things that people do. Sometimes the red flags are, Hey, this is missing. Right. Um, so I know you talked to me about the issues that there were around the space that you lived in. Can you share a little bit about that as well? Sure. Yeah. So when I moved in, like one example is I only really got like one and a half drawers to put my clothes in. That's like um, barely enough for my underwear. <laughs> yeah. Like for real. <laughs> Sorry. I got continue. A couple of hangers, but in terms of the dresser, it wasn't much. Yeah. Um, then one of another one, it was like, like when I moved in, I had this like beautiful bowl that I wanted to like put on the counter and he disliked it so much that he kept putting it into the cabinet and mm. because he was like, this is not my design aesthetic. And I was like, this is, this, this is a bowl. Yeah. That big of a deal. Um, and then I think another really big one was like he makes videos for his company. Mm-hmm. And anytime he would make a video, he basically would erase all of like any resemblance that I was there mm-hmm. or that he had a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. All of that sort of, there was also like, there was just like, he was very hard about like anytime I asked for space or like, Hey, can I get a chair or like a desk Mm -hmm. to work on my creative projects? Mm -hmm. He just sort of would always like deny. Yeah. So you're probably too young for this movie, but people my generation and a little bit older would, would know this. This sounds very sleeping with the enemy ish. I don't know if you ever saw that movie It's an old Julia Roberts movie where she was in a very controlling relationship and she like had to have all the labels in the, in the cupboard, like face the same exact way. And like, she had to make the towels, like they had names on the towels and they had to line up perfectly. I mean, it's not that extreme, but it has this kind of energy where, you know, you're only allowed to have as much space and have as much of a voice and all of these things as the other person allows. But, and again, where the gaslighting part comes in 
is, um, you know, it's not this overtly abusive thing where they're calling your names or they're hitting you or different things like this, that is actually a little bit easier to see. Um, you know, when they have this thing where they're calm and cool and collected and they use therapy speak and they, um, you know, they, they do a really good job of doing the Darvo and making everything be about you. Well, you're, you're just unhappy. You're just miserable because you can't find a job or, you know, whatever the digs are. Right. And when there's a half truth involved in there, it's like, well, yeah, I am a little unhappy because COVID has sucked and I have, you haven't been able to get right. Like, so then that, that, plants a, a seed of doubt, right? So you, you, you have this dynamic of this hidden, you know, really, really hard to see, um, put downs and different things like that combined with the control, right? And it's, it's this energy of like, wow, I, I, I'm again, I, I just make up, it probably made you feel really small. Would yeah. that be accurate? Does that sound for accurate? For sure. Yeah. I feel like, it made me feel small. It made me totally doubt my own reality. Mm -hmm. And then like, I've been trying to figure out like, what is my truth? Am yeah. I this? Or am I really what he's saying? Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Classic yeah. signs, classic signs of being gaslit for sure. Um, so in addition to these kind of power dynamics and kind of a little bit controlling, unequal partnering kind of stuff. Um, you know, there were some other things that you mentioned that again, I would call red flags. And, and for me, uh, I like to have my guests share them because I'm always trying to encourage my people that are listening and my clients to kind of do this thing of zooming in and zooming out. So our brain wants to connect all the dots and that's what I would call zooming in. Like I really want to understand this one sentence, why would he say that? Right. And that that's the zooming in. Like, is he thinking this? Is he thinking that? Does he mean this? Does he mean that? Right. Like that's really zoomed in. Right. And the zooming out is kind of putting it into context of everything else. Right. Like, well, okay. When he says that, what is missing? How does it make me feel? Um, what would I prefer to have them say than what they just said that made me feel like shit? Right. Like, like all of these different things, instead of trying to understand it, to see the implications, right? Um, and so for me, sometimes connecting the big picture is connecting these seemingly unconnected things, right? Um, and so I know that there were a few things for you that you mentioned that I would say aren't directly connected to the things that we already talked about. But for me, they're part of the context of the big picture. And um, again, these are what I would call the other red flags. And would you mind sharing some of those with us as well so we can get kind of an understanding of the big picture? Like, I know some of the ways that he would respond when you tried to talk to him or other things that were going on. Yeah, every time I would try to talk to him about how something made me feel, um, he would usually sit in silence, listen, but he would never like respond. Mm -hmm. It would never be like, I would be like, come to him and be like, ask him to, if we could problem solve this mm -hmm. issue I was having in our relationship and be like, can we make a schedule for what, who makes what meal each night of the week? So mm -hmm. be less stressed about it. And yeah. Just, that's fair. Would not really help me come up with solutions or he just kind of would shut down and it almost almost made me feel like whatever I brought up, whatever issues I brought up, I was too emotional. Mm. Even though like I would bring it up very calmly mm -hmm. and lovingly. Mm -hmm. um, so that was his like silence was one thing. Okay. Anytime I would ask him even for like for him to explain about the savior, the happiness thing, mm -hmm. he would sort of either say, like, I don't really know, it's just a feeling. He would go silent and say, or say, I've already told you. Mm -hmm. Okay, tell me again because obviously I'm not totally understanding. Mm -hmm. It's just like 
defiantly then shut down again. Yeah. Um, So again, he didn't really say anything overtly mean, right? Um, He would say things that were confusing, like we, Sounds like something you need to go take care of or, you know, that's your responsibility, not mine. It was a lot of diver- diversion back to you, right? Um, hands off. Like, that has nothing to do with me. Like, I need to have my boundaries or my space or whatever it is. Like, so playing a little bit of victim and and making you, again, going back to that Darvo, reversing who is the victim and the offender in the situation, and right? Um I referred to Mr. or Mrs. Perfect at the beginning of the podcast. They are really, really good at also playing the victim, right? So it's this, it's this combination that makes it really hard for us to nail down why things don't feel good, right? Because we can't point to something that they're doing. It's more of a, a lack of what they're doing, right? So he didn't say anything mean. He just didn't say anything at all, right? All right. So about... A year ago, you told me in your notes that um, he he really started this thing that, well, about a year ago is when he really started in with this, I need to save you kind of a thing, right? Um, and there was a problem with that though, right? Like uh, he never was able to give you any examples, correct? Correct. And. I would consider myself like I can do anything. Mm. I can fix anything. I've always been, I haven't been in that many relationships, so I've been pretty independent. Mm -hmm. So it was like very, very confusing what he meant. Yeah. And anytime I would be like, I think this is your like own sort of like, thing you have to work through because I'm not trying to place that feeling onto you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And yet really what I heard from you in your notes is you weren't looking for him to fix you. No. Right. You were looking or to save you, right. You were looking for him to show up as a partner. Yeah. Which meant what for you? To me, that meant one, like, being there if I needed a hug, being able to listen to me if, like, I was having a hard day, um, like, giving me space, just, like, and even challenging me. Like, I kept, whenever, whenever he would say these things, I would be like, well... You can, like, I need you to tell me because, like, if there is something I'm doing, like, I want my partner to challenge me mm-hmm. so that I can become better. Um, mm-hmm. And he sort of would then say, well, I don't believe that's the way partnership works. Like, we're supposed to grow. You have to do your work and I have to do mine, which I agree both of us have to do our own work. but. I also feel like a good partnership is like where you both sort of help each other grow too. Absolutely. Um, And he, yeah, he just, that was one thing that really was frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. And confusing again, because there's this half truth, right? The half truth of the kind of therapy speak or therapy talk, right? Where it's like, yes, I am responsible for my own growth. Yes, I am responsible for my own happiness. Yes, you know, all of the, but it's a half truth. It's like a bridge that's half built. I u- actually use that example in my workshop about something else, but it, it's like this picture of like, well, well, yeah, that's how it starts. It starts with me being in charge of my own happiness. It starts with me being in charge of my own growth. And if I am in an intimate partnership, that's only half of the story, right? People talk all the time about being independent or codependent, and don't even get me started on codependent, but hardly ever does anybody talk about this beautiful thing of interdependence, which is what a healthy relationship has. It's this understanding of the balance and the nuances between being my own person and knowing my boundaries 
and being in this relationship where I have the ability to speak into somebody else's life and help them grow, whether it's a platonic relationship or an intimate romantic relationship, like either way, there's meant to be this interdependence and this symbiotic nature where what I do impacts the other person. Ah, it drives me crazy when people, it's, it's a, it's a big thing with a lot of my clients because a lot of the people that I work with, um, their partner is in some form of recovery, one or one, one form of recovery or another. And a lot of 12 step talk is like that, where it's like, you stay on your side of the street. I'll stay on mine. You're responsible for your growth and healing and all, and I'm responsible for mine. And I'm like, okay, well, that's good if you're single, but if you're not, what you do impacts me. Right. Right. And you can either help me grow or you can be like a fucking ball and chain around my ankle. Yeah. Yeah. I get heated when I, <laughs> because, because I don't know, did, did he ever tell you that we were being controlling at all? Was that something when are you, when you would ask for things? I'm curious. That's something I know a lot of my clients hear a lot. He would never say I was controlling, but in the end, when he finally broke up with me, he did say I was suffocating him. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? Can you explain that? Yeah. And he, he still couldn't even explain how I was suffocating him. Yeah. Again, it's this thing of playing the victim, right? Like you are asking for too much. You want too much when, when really you weren't even asking for much by the end, were you? No, I stopped asking for hugs. I mm -hmm. usually would talk about how my day was. Yeah. I sort of just started to shut down, really. Of course you did. Of course, right? When we're not being able to ask for our needs to be met, it's a kind of a survival mechanism, right? Like when we're so miserable and so deprived, really, right? It's it's a coping yeah. survival mechanism. So of course you did. Of course, and I'm so sorry, right? I, I just, it's craziness. So this is around the time that you told me was the kind of first time that he tried to break up with you. Right. And you said it was really bizarre. What was, yeah. tell me a little bit about that. Um, so we got home from hanging out with a friend for dinner and it was a bit of a boozy dinner and we're sitting down in the living room and he pulls it on me at 1am in the morning and like, and says it in such a way that made it feel like we had been dating for like, I don't know, three months, like mm. it didn't feel at all like what you would expect your mm. fiance to like do to break up with you, mm. like sit you down and like have a really intentional dinner. Or yeah. Conversation, something, a little bit of respect, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Intentionality, care. You know, <laughs> I keep yeah. thinking over and over again, you know, in your story where you know, and my, again, with my, my clients and people that I work with, we talk about where our bar is set in our relationships. And for most of us, it's been over the years, a game of limbo. You know, I don't know if you ever played that. I played it on roller skates growing up because I'm a kid of the eighties, the nineties and eighties. Um, and we roller skated and we would roller skate limbo. And it's like, how low can you go? Right. It's like a continual yeah. lowering of our bar. Right. Where it's like, you know, me even just asking for a hug feels like a bar that I can, can barely, you know, meet. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like it's feel like I have to put it even lower than that. And it's just lower and lower. It's just crazy. And, and, and yet at the same time you broke up, well, he said this conversation where he wanted to break up with you. And then the very next weekend, you, you have this situation where I think you said you guys went away or something like that. You went, you went for a visit or something. We went to visit his youngest daughter mm -hmm. um, who lives about an hour and a half away. Okay. Um, so we are at this hotel. I'm in tears and he, he runs off cause we're late to our dinner reservation. And he leaves me with his daughter to get her ready to mm -hmm. go to dinner. And I kind of was internally livid. Yeah. Because 
Uh, He's treating you like an au pair again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I get her ready and go to the restaurant and, and even try to talk to him about how that made me feel. I'm like, I feel like you don't respect me because you're not seeing how much I do do for you. And then you treat me this way. And he could never like apologize or fully see like what his actions were and how he was making me feel and like sort of taking advantage of me to some extent, Mm -hmm. even though there is a part of it that of course I will admit I allowed him to at times, but well, we all unknowingly do, or maybe a little bit of awareness, but we don't, we don't fully aware. We're not fully aware. Right. Um, so I'm really curious, did you, you said you had been working with your therapist about regaining your voice. So you were seeing someone like while y'all were still together to figure out kind of like working on you. And maybe if I work on me, you know, I can improve in the relationship and, you know, regaining my voice. Is that right? You were, you were already having therapy while you were still in a relationship with this guy. Yes, correct. Okay. Um, and so I make up, you started to get a little bit stronger, even though you weren't asking for more, maybe was your energy shifting, feeling maybe a little bit more confident, a little bit more self-love, that kind of stuff. Are those some of the things that were happening for you? Yeah, I think my previous relationship was really super toxic. And so mm-hmm. I didn't have a voice. And so yeah. this, in this relationship, I really have been trying to work on speaking up, okay. speaking to things that have made me feel uncomfortable and yeah, trying to have my voice heard for sure. Mm-hmm. I think the reason why I'm asking that is because I feel like what I'm starting to see and maybe piece together with your story is again, he was pretty controlling. He liked having this power dynamic, treating you like the chef or the au pair or whatever, right? This level of mm-hmm. a little bit, honestly, disrespect and um, inequality. And yeah. it's, a, you know, I'm not sure when you started therapy, but I make up as you started to get a little bit stronger a little bit more of your voice, a little bit less okay with how he was treating you, maybe pulling back, maybe not so easily controlled. That's when he started to talk about breaking up with you, right? And then three months ago, something kind of major shifted for you, right? Yeah. Um, three months ago, I finally got my dream job. Yay. With- Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, And with a great community, like another thing I sort of lost during COVID was Mm -hmm. most of my friends moved away. Yeah. Um, So I was even more isolated to Mm -hmm. my ex. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I got Mm -hmm. this great job. And then two days later, he officially is like, we have to break up. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I get, I mean, I just, you're no longer going to be, in my opinion, you're, you're not going to be so easy to control. You're going to have a community where people might tell you he's treating you like an asshole, right? You might, right. Like you're feeling great about yourself. You're feeling empowered. You're in a place that you love. You're going to begin to thrive. Right. And then he just bump over done. Right. And I'm going to make it be about some therapy talky bullshit so that it sounds like I'm the good guy. Right. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think we're, uh, you know, I want to help you out with this and help my listeners out. Um, it can get really confusing when we zoom in too much, right? We're going to do a zoom in, zoom out thing. Okay. Because he is, he could be right. Listen, y'all, y'all could both still have, this is half truth again. You both still could have childhood issues that you'll need to work on, right? That could be true. However, like bringing yourself back to why is that not the full truth? Why is that not the full picture? How would I want a healthy, 
partnered, mutual, mutually invested person to respond? Well, they would say, why don't we try to read some books on, on, you know, working on our inner child, or why don't we go do a workshop or why don't we see a couples therapist or, or, or right there. That's the full part of the story. Right. But he just used what sounded good, right? Like we need to work on ourselves. So we should probably break up. Right. Like with it, and, and again, it's one thing if y'all had done all of those things and still weren't being able to make any headway, then he might have had a legitimate thing to say, you know what, all of the things that we've been trying haven't helped. I think we need to take a break or break up or whatever, right? It's not what he did, right? No. no. When I s- suggested couples therapy even, because I suggested it like a year ago. We went to two sessions originally, but I didn't like the therapist. She wasn't particularly helpful. Mm-hmm. So, and then that kind of fizzled out because we were sort of seemingly on good terms at that point. And then the second time around, you know, he was like, we're beyond therapy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I feel like we have major communication issues and that this would help a lot. Yeah. He just so. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not surprised. I think, um, one of the things you told me in your notes again, it was that this is kind of a pattern of his. Yeah, he's definitely, I've sort of seen him with a lot of people, whether it's friends or colleagues. He sort of has about either a two-year limit okay, being interested or, like, engaged with okay. people. Um, and then once he starts seeing people's, like, problems, mm-hmm. he just sort of completely detaches okay. and sort of doesn't pay attention. Yeah. Um, you also said he has a, an issue with not being able to let go control. And you've seen that in pattern as well. For sure. Yeah. I mean, he's the head of his company. So yeah. he sort of has that in yeah. general. Used to being the one in charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, let's go ahead and let's take this story into the deconstruction zone. I'm I'm excited to share this with both you and my listeners. So often what I, I have done um, so far is like kind of deconstruct by talking about the tactics and the techniques and, you know, what their part was and what your part was and all this kind of stuff. But today I really wanted to focus in on this component of both mutuality or the lack of it and this Mr. or Mrs. Perfect. And I say Mrs. because sometimes it's our parent, right? Like our mom, or sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit less um, high in the percentages, but sometimes I work with guys who their, their wife um, has been their gaslighter, et cetera. Right. So it could be Mr. or Mrs. Perfect. But, um, that is one of the roles that I teach, um, to people to begin to be able to recognize, Oh, yeah, like, those things, they all kind of go into, you know, how you would describe, like, I imagine somebody walking into like a, a movie set and being like, you're going to play the role of so-and-so. And then here are the character traits of that kind of person. This is how they would react and respond and the types of things that they would say. Right. So, um, that's all to say that this Mr. And Mrs. Perfect role, right. Um, to me, it hi- highlights almost every check mark that I teach about when I teach about this role or this persona. So they can be really hard to spot, right? So I wanted to connect the things that your ex did to this role. So um, in my opinion, I think that he used love bombing um, at the beginning, right? So I, and I don't even know, I'm guessing we could probably go into more stories about gifts or dinners or trips or different things like that. Um, But for me, the way that he, kind of asked you to move in with him and take care of you and like work on yourself and just let yourself be happy. And all of these things is a form, in my opinion, of love bombing because he wouldn't allow you to contribute even though you asked him to do that, right? Like even though you wanted to, right? Um, And so he did all this 
as to, to make it look as if he was trying to just support you. But again, support isn't just saying, here's a place to live, right? Like support, there's so much more than that. And when you look at what are all of the things, right? It wouldn't just be throwing money at the situation, right? Um, or taking care of your um, physical needs only, right? So I think he exhibited what I would call the soft-spoken yet passive-aggressive behavior that Mr. and Mrs. Perfect um, exemplifies, right? So they often use Darvo, we've talked about it a few times here, to make it seem like you were, um, sorry, he was always the victim. Like when he said, you're suffocating me or those types of things, whenever you objected to something, confronted him on something or asked for something that he didn't want to do or give, he would respond with that. He was the one who had doubts about the relationship, right? Or he would punish you by withdrawing or giving you the silent treatment, right? So again, these aren't like, oh my God, that's so abusive and that's so mean, like that's so easy to identify. Like, no, it's like, okay, well, well, shit, he's now, now he's not sure about the relationship. Like, what did I do wrong? Like, that's the inference that, and that's what's supposed to happen when a person does this thing. Oh, they're withdrawing. Like, what did I do wrong? Did I hurt their feelings? Right? Like, like people who are higher in empathy, like that's where we go to. That's what we think. Like, what can I do better? Right. So um, again, I've said this a number of times. I'm just trying to connect all of these dots together under the Mr. or Mrs. Perfect is they like to use what we call therapy talk and feeling words. Okay. Um, and they do this in a way that is different from a normal, normal, healthy, vulnerable kind of sharing, right? Like they do it in a way that's confusing because it's often combined with the victim, right? Mentality or with half truths, right? So, um, again, we hit it earlier, but you, him having no responsibility in your happiness that you had to work for that yourself, um, half truth, right? That the childhood pattern thing, um, that's why I had to break up half truth, right? Um, to me, and this is often the case, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Perfect goes into the victim, but they can also go into the bully, which is another role that I, I teach about, right? So the bullying part, again, wasn't this super overt, but bullying can actually come out in the form of the controlling behaviors that he did, like your bowl thing to me, it's like, let the girl have a bowl and maybe more than one and a half drawers. Like my goodness. Right. Like one thing, like who cares about the aesthetic, <laughs> right? Like let her have her special bowl. Right. Um, so very controlling the withholding is part of bullying. Um, it sounded like he did guilt tripping on you, right? Like anytime you wouldn't do things the way that he kind of wanted to, um, and then I really think it, he overall exhibited this kind of superior attitude, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So those all go together, um, with the bully. And so why it's really confusing is again, when you pair, the bully can be paired. Okay. Let me back up. The bully is always paired with one of the other roles. You can't just be a bully. Right. You're not yeah. going to get away. People are going to be like, dude, stop being a bully. <laughs> but so right. it's paired with, or, or sorry, when it's paired with Mr. or Mrs. Perfect, it's the bully is usually done in a way in these behaviors that are really hard to identify because they're so like overlapped with the Mr. Or Mr. Perfect. And these people are usually typically people that are really good at um, um, very charismatic. Everybody loves them usually very successful, whether that's in the church world, like, um, you know, like everybody loves this person, right? Like they'll, they're the one who, they're the dad who coached the baseball, you know, little league. And they're the one who washes the car every Sunday. And like all of these things that are confusing because it looks like they're a good person, but they're just check marks that are about image management, right? They're not yeah. usually connected to what their person is asking for. It's about, I'm going to show to everybody else that I am a good person with all of these external things. Okay. So when you have that combo, um, it creates a deep sense of confusion, right? Why does it seem like, I don't know if you experienced this. I know I experienced this in my relationship, my first marriage, um, where I was like, why does it seem like I'm the only one that is experiencing this person this way? Mm -hmm. Did that ever happen to you? For the most part, 
but I do have a few close friends that also experienced in the same way. Okay. Okay. Um, when we, for those of you that my listeners out there who can relate to that question, like I did, I know another thing that I would say is like, well, if everybody else likes him, right. Or them or her or whatever, then there must be something wrong with me that I'm unhappy. Right. Because we, uh, again, we can't necessarily point to behaviors that are happening. It's what's not happening. So we can't say, oh, well, yeah, of course I'm unhappy because this is happening and this is happening and this is happening and this is happening. Right. So, um, so what we end up thinking and we end up believing is that it's our fault, right? Like we expect too much. We want too much. We're needy. We're emotional. Like all of these things that put us in the, in the place of being the one that's wrong or at fault in the relationship. So, um, that's what I wanted to highlight in your relationship today was this kind of just real clear lack of mutuality and the showing up of Mr. Perfect. Um, so I'm curious what that brings up for you as I shared that. Yeah, I think the combination is pretty accurate. Okay. Him being very charismatic. Mm Mm-hmm. Like there's and being totally confused because sometimes it's really, really amazing. And then mm-hmm. there's feeling of like, I am not respected or, mm-hmm. or given respected or listened to fully. Yeah. Like on like day to day things and like life things yeah. that it definitely like, made me feel trapped in that sense. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move this into setting our alarm. Um, And when it comes to identifying Mr. or Mrs. Perfect, the quickest way to unmask them is to set your alarm to the tune of mutuality, right? Because there almost never is any, or if there is, it's, it's really on their condition, right? Um, so, oh, sure. They'll do lots of things to appear to be good, but when you take stock and I encourage you to do that, if you think your person might be a Mr. or Mrs. Perfect, take stock. It's typically only the good things that they want to do. Okay. So I want to point out a few things from Renee's story to see how this lack of mutuality reveals itself. So if he really wanted to support Renee, then he also would have listened to her and respected the fact that she wanted to contribute and feel equal in the relationship, even if it wasn't a job, right? So again, like I've known plenty of people, including myself and my partner, where we sat down and we talked about, listen, not every couple is going to have people that have the same exact income. It's not all about money right? Like sometimes it means I'm, if you think of everything that we do, like energy, money and bringing money in as an energy, um, helping out around the house as an energy, like showing up and, um, giving some love and attention and affection is energy. Like all of these different, they're energetic exchanges. So what we're talking about is con- contributing equally energetically, right? So you could sit down and you could have a conversation. Okay. I don't make as much as you. You're supporting us as a couple financially. I want to give back and contribute and feel equal in this partnership. And these are ways that I could do that. That would feel really good to me. What do you think? Right. That's mutuality, right? Even if he needed some space. So let's talk for a second about um, people who need space. I'm one of those type of people who, where there's confrontation, I might need a few hot minutes <laughs> before I'm ready to continue the conversation. Usually because I'm fighting through some kind of trigger or sometimes a trauma response. I'm like, I don't want to say something that I don't really mean, right? Like I, I'm going to collect my thoughts, all of these types of things, and then I'll respond with thought and care and all of the. So I want a hot minute or two, right? Um, so there are people out there where that's a legitimate request or a legitimate thing to do, to need some space. But when there is mutuality, right, before you he would respond, so if, if this was him or anybody out there who's listening to, right, like before he, if you needed space before you respond to the confrontation, I believe that there are two things that a person who is interested in having a mutual relationship would do. And one, they wouldn't just, go radio silent, they would communicate that they need space, right? Like, Hey, Renee, I, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling defensive. I'm feeling whatever. I need a little bit of space. And then they would communicate when they intend to respond. So can we talk later this evening or can we talk in half an hour or whatever, right? Like 
communicate you need the space, communicate when you will finish the conversation. That shows respect. That shows like, listen, I'm not going to make you sit in your feelings forever, right? Like we're going to deal with this. This is important. You're important. Your feelings are important. Things that you're talking about are important. I just need some space before we continue, right? So that's number one. Number two, when they come back to the conversation, they would have respect and empathy and not be in a place of defensiveness and resentfulness, right? Like they're making me come back and talk. No, they're interested. They want to hear what you have to say. Even if if there's a little bit of defensiveness, listen, defensiveness is a real thing. We all have it, (laughs) right? But there's a difference between like being attacking defensive and being like, okay, this is hard to hear, but I'm listening. I'm here. I want to know what you're feeling, right? That's mutuality, okay? Um, Two more things about identifying mutuality. Any feeling words or therapy talk would be congruent with remorse, compassion, empathy, respect, and again, mutuality, right? So what we're missing here and what you'll see over and over again is the the lack of taking responsibility for their stuff, Right. So even if they show up and they they have, you know, some compassion or empathy, but they're still blaming you completely and there's no remorse or there's no, hey, you know what? Yeah, I realize I could have done that differently. I'm sorry. Right. Like that's not a part of it. Right. When there's mutuality, that is a part of it. The person is always willing to take what is their responsibility on. Right. And then last thing um, is he would include he would have included you, Renee, in as many things as possible, including giving you a voice and a place in parenting the kids. We talked about this earlier. It doesn't mean you have to know his kids as well as he does. You have a voice. You interact with them. You cared about them. That gives you, like, basically, in my opinion, the right to at least be listened to by him with concern and respect. That's what mutuality is. Okay, so those are just a few ways that we can see how there was a lack of mutuality. And my friends, I want each of you to know and to hear this, that mutuality is a whole thing. (laughs) It is a thing. It is like, after all the things that I went through, it's one of my number one values in any relationship that I have. When we ask for mutuality, we are not asking for nor expecting too much. We get to require it in all the the relationships that we are in. Okay. Um, So please take that to heart and and allow that to be something that you hold on to and look for in your relationships. So this is where I'd like to take a second and just say, as I'm wrapping up today, that any of my listeners who would like to come on and be one of my podcast guests, please go to my website and submit one of the forms. And if you have a question that you'd like me to answer, you can submit it there as well. Renee, thank you so much for bringing your story and allowing me to bring such a great topic to my listeners. Thank you so much. I learned a lot. Oh, awesome. Yay. I love that. Um, And you, my listener, thank you for listening to today's episode. If you found it helpful, please leave a review and subscribe. And if you think that others would benefit from it, please go ahead and share that. And remember, it's not about becoming who you want to be. It's about awakening all that you already are. And now I leave you again with our anthem, Not Today.
like me 